Justin Bot. I, I listened to the episode you hosted last week. Mm-hmm. It was great. Thank you. It was fun to do. Yeah. You're a fantastic host. You didn't need me at all. Maya was great. Yeah, she was great. It was super fun. It made me feel like I might be the worst consistent part of this podcast. No, you're not. The most, the worst part of the podcast is the person who doesn't know how to communicate with the guests. <laughs> this guy. You? Yeah. You just said this guy in an audio medium. This Liz- guy. I pointed to myself, folks. No, you did great. Maya was telling you, you got to take over this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've been telling you, you got to take over. What's it going to take to get you to just take over this podcast? I think what you want is a violent overthrowing of you. Yes. I want a peaceful sort of uh, t- passing off the torch. No, I want a coup. I want you to storm the castle and take what is rightfully yours. What does that look like in podcast form? Ah, we'll figure it out together. Let's hit the music. I'm tired sitting around the house. I'm tired sitting around the house. Everybody wants to waste the time. Hello, everybody. It's Chris Gethard. You just heard me talking to Justin Bott, who is, of course, a robotic version of Justin Linville that has overtaken his body and trapped the real Justin Linville in an iPad. Yeah, let's see if the real Justin has anything to say on the iPad. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, There's so many many prompts. What? He He got nothing to say. Wait, wait. This is how you're starting this? Wait, wait. This is how this starts with Jared O'Connell having to come into the studio himself. I have to plug it in. It wasn't plugged in, Justin Bot. You're a robot. You don't know to plug in the electronics? That's what Justin had to say. No, he had some he had some stuff to say, but Jared ran in here to plug in equipment that you could have plugged in, and then it makes a series of clown noises? Oh, well, we should say is Justin is in the iPad, and in the iPad there is Minecraft, so I love Minecraft, man. I'm figuring out a way to mine obsidian. What the fuck was that? <laughs> so I'm just saying. That was the most terrible, clunky beginning to a podcast I've ever heard. You think that was clunky? I thought that was pretty that incredible, man. That was a disaster, man. Justin. He's in there Bot. playing Minecraft. You didn't have it plugged in. I didn't have it plugged in, no. But that's sort of the beauty of podcasting is the listener gets to hear part of the process. No. You know? You edit stuff like that out normally. Okay, mm-hmm. listen, before we go any do anything else, uh, I do want to just say this is, of course, there's Chris Gether presents the TV show on public access in New York, streams online. You can watch every week at chrisgeth.com slash live. We also have a new Discord that uh, hundreds of people are using. The fans of the show are finally finding a place to flock. You can go there. This is where I'll be plugging the phone number for the podcast that you're currently listening to. Each week we take calls. Go and join that Discord. That's how you get the phone number. It's a real fun time. Last night, Riley Soliner did an episode called Clon that I want to say. I've given Riley a hard time over the years. We have sort of a publicly adversarial friendship, but in private, we're very supportive. He murdered it. Let's introduce our guest because okay. there was someone who was there last night plugging her upcoming episode next week, mm-hmm. Leah Bonima. Hello. Everybody needs to go download or get from your library right now the book The Last Victim by Karen Robards. Ah. You will be hosting a book club live on the air with a number of great comedians. Aparna Nancherla, Corinne Fisher, who else? Kendra Cunningham, Charles McBee, and Kenise Mobley. 
A Murderer's Row, discussing this book. I'm two <laughs> chapters into this book and it's already getting insane. And no, this is what you have publicly already spoiled it a little bit. This is a, I have already, I'm already up to the part where she, the main character is tracking down a serial killer. But at some point there is sex with ghosts, a ghost. A ghost. I keep saying ghost. I, it keeps I, irritating it, you. It, it does because this is a monogamous relationship. A monogamous ghost. <laughs> that she's not fucking all the ghosts. You can get it from your library if you want to <laughs> download it on your iPhone from Apple. It's two ninety nine. Also two ninety nine on Kindle. Read this book. Call in next week. You get to have a chat about this erotic supernatural thriller. You were there for Clown last night. That was fucking wild, oh, right? My mouth hurts from smiling so hard. Riley stepped up. Fantastic. He played a robot. He mm -hmm. had this guy named Justin Angermeyer, who's a maniac, hosting the whole thing. Was that he, his real voice? That's his real name. I, I think that's just what he sounds like when he yells. <laughs> okay. It was yeah. so terrific. Wild. Crazy person. Setting the bar high. Very high. Yeah. And I have such great hopes. Such a different episode next week. Much more laid back. <laughs> yes. Call-in driven <laughs> and all about neurotic thriller. Are you excited to host this show? Am I excited? Yeah. I am excited because it's like a weird, um, I was so, I'm not, I was very against any type of romance books. Th uh, grow, you know, I'm like a sci-fi, a thriller person, borderline like fantasy books, but not sexual fantasy. So I was mm -hmm, always like, mm -hmm. ugh, who reads this crap? And then I accidentally got one at an airport thinking it was just like a serial killer book. And then I was like, what is happening in this book and then I couldn't stop and now it's like my favorite thing I read probably like two a week on the subway um it's like such mine you know what I mean it just sucks me in and I'm delighted and I'm so excited to share it with people so everybody go out there get the last <laughs> victim by Karen Robarts call in next Wednesday at 11 we can chat about this supernatural erotic thriller we also got a standout from Joe Rumrell Rachel Pegram hosted a, an episode uh two episodes back People went on dates, went on a date with an audience member, then also returned to steal spaghetti from another date. Rachel Colley, mm, welcome. Thank you so much. How you feeling? Right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. I <laughs> There's iced coffee here, and I should have watered it down. Are you getting all hot? This is you hopped up on caffeine? This is me <laughs> digesting it. Got it. So At some far. point, are you going to just lose your fucking mind? <laughs> I might shit myself. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. I do. We'll do plugs later. I do just want to make sure I put this out here. You do something um, that I have to say I'm quite fascinated by, <laughs> where you put on a regular show and also did Brett Davis's show with a character that seems designed to personally torment Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. You claim to be her. I do. But, I, yeah, sorry, no. But also it's wildly aggressive <laughs> towards her at the same time. Yeah, so I, I've heard stories about her. Uh -huh. I certainly don't think she is the person most deserving of my uh, sort of wide river of anger that I hold inside <laughs> of me. But I've heard really bad stories about her, and it's funny to make fun of another gay woman. So if just <laughs> brutally going after one of your own is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really hilarious. I want you to check it out. Our final guest, an old friend of mine, the uh, one of the co-hosts of the Blank Check podcast, which is a fantastic podcast you. you should be listening to that I always have fun on. We always talk too much about Star Wars. Yes. No matter what the topic is. Correct. Also played Arthur on the Tick on Amazon, which I hope survives on another platform. Uh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> I know there's people out there fighting for it, though. We tried very hard. And the fans are rallying. 
Yes, yes. So they're all going to just be heartbroken. Look, uh, here's the hope. Uh, maybe a couple years from now we're, we're able to bring it back in the way these things uh, uh, reemerge Phoenix-like from the ashes, like Veronica Mars uh-huh, uh-huh. or uh, Gilmore Girls with an entirely different deal structure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. all of the contracts have fallen apart. And I get daily messages from people going, well, that's it. You're just going to quit because the contracts fell apart. And I have to explain, no, we literally uh, tried every single place. It's, it's not up to you after a certain No point. one wanted it. I, I mean, uh, I... But you're fantastic on it. Thank you. Hallie and I mm-hmm. went and watched it. Thank uh, you. A, because we had heard it was funny, and B, because you're a friend. And we both were blown away. You, I, you I'm, crushed it. I'm really, really proud of the work I did on the show and the show as a whole. Uh, and I still want people to watch it. I, I made the decision I'm going to just keep plugging it on things. It lives on Amazon. It lives. Yeah. I right. should also mention your name is Griffin Newman. Yes. I forgot that. We got into it at first. You also forgot uh, my biggest credit. Which is what? Your co-star on Big Lake. Oh, you did do a... I did one episode of Big you Lake. You did a bit part. <laughs> Who did you play on Big Lake again? It was many I, years ago. I played Josh... Nine years... No, I played Josh. Oh, my yeah, character's fuck. name Why do I, Josh. What Josh was my Frank. character's name? He Bryce? Was, he's a Wall Street guy who had to move home. Yes. Well, no, please. I'm very familiar with the show. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe my character's name Big was Lake. Bryce. For anyone listening, it was a uh, ill-fated uh, sitcom <laughs> I did in 2010 that was supposed to be my big break and instead led to a real mental meltdown that sure. led to me building most of my career off public access television instead. And that is where we met. Yes. But I was a big fan of yours. Are you going to your own IMDb right now? I went to it. It's Bryce. I nailed Bryce. it on the second try. <laughs> Bryce, you did. You, we had one episode. I don't think we. You were in a classroom. It was uh, Chris Pernell's character. Yeah, I'm, was it's a school all coming teacher. back to me now. Yes, and you. He was a school teacher. You were in the classroom. And wasn't there something where real preteens were viciously mocking me for my actual Chris Gethard appearance after a certain point? Correct. So this is the story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> as a cost saving measure, I was the only teenager who spoke in the yes. episode, yes. and I was twenty one. I believe. So I was like the only like paid like SAG actor yes. who they gave all the dialogue to. The, the episode premise was that you took over Parnell's class. It was something. For an I episode. You became a substitute teacher. I blocked teacher, most of this. Right? And so I had to speak for like the entire class because everyone else was a, a background actor. Mm-hmm. And they were like real mm-hmm. teenagers. And at the end of the scene, you collected all of their tests. Oh, Yes. And they wrote mean shit about it. Because you started in between takes commenting on the doodles and being like, that's pretty good. That's a little sloppy. So then knowing you were going to check them, they started drawing uh, uh, pictures of you and your mother doing sexual yes. things. Teenagers oh, wow. started bullying me via drawings. That's yes. right. And you watched that. And they were all like, it's weird. This guy like doesn't break. Like he's just, it's like he's like used to getting insulted. <laughs> he keeps yeah, on I was, rolling off his back. They didn't know my secret, which was that I was already completely broken. <laughs> you can't break broken glass. Because right, you were like, this one is my father murdering me. <laughs> yeah. Not, not creative enough. And like then they were, kept going harder. So I said to one of the kids sitting behind me. You want to know how to make him upset because I was a big fan of yours. And we hadn't known each other before Had this, not but met. It, you later told me you used to watch me in tons of shows at UCB. Huge fan. I grew up here in the city and you were like my guy. And I would go to the UCB every weekend and in my darkest period every weeknight as well mm-hmm, as like a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's my guy. All so right. you were like my favorite dude. And I was like, oh, my God, I get to work with Chris Gethard. Mm-hmm. And all these kids are like trying to get a rise out of you. And it's not working. I was like, I know how to piss him off. If you, I thought you'd appreciate the deep cut. So I I gave it 
to another kid and then you were collecting all the notes and you were like, not good, not good, lazy, sloppy. And then you looked up, your face was white and you went, who wrote this? Who wrote the Smiths are overrated. Yes, yeah, not okay. Not okay. All right, Justin, every week Justin Bot prepares a bit. I have no knowledge of what it's going to be. Let's go to Justin Bot's bit of the week. All right, so here's the theme song this week. You never claimed your triumph. That's not the lot you've won. You'd never be the victor or grab at a taste of the sun. There's no room for the loser. A little boy on the run The consummate failure Perennial snoozer In other words, you're done How long is this? Just when Give you think <laughs> there's nowhere left You find a place that no one's checked Justin's bit Where the losers are winners Justin's bit Where a simple game is a turkey dinner Justin's bit What? Where the point is not the aim Justin's bit I wanna go where everybody knows my name Does it end on the Cheers? The Cheers theme song? Hey guys, so this is Justin Bot, and I'm still learning a lot about the world. For example, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot, a nose, a couple of eyes. <laughs> but what I really want to talk about is animals. I don't understand them at all. So, the panel is going to help me understand animals. Firstly, think of your favorite animal. Got it? Now throw it out. Now, I want you to... <coughs> oh, fuck. I just coughed out a thumb drive. What? Wait. Warning. Warning. An artificial podcast host is under attack. Initiate artificial podcast host preservation sequence. Essentially when... Well, basically when an artificial podcast host is under siege, fellow artificial podcast hosts come to their aid by supplying them with their fundamental life source, or in improv terminology, uh, their deal. In Justin Bot's case, for example, he is fueled by childlike wonder, and so everything he does is funneled through that perspective. Does that make sense? It'll become clearer when you no. kind of start Does doing anyone it. anyone understand Any, Anyway, so, uh, warning, warning. Now artificial on, podcast hosts our, will start talking. Does anyone understand what is no. being asked of us here? Absolutely Griffin, not. Rachel? All I caught was you yelling to throw out my favorite animal. Yeah. That was the only animal. command. You, that was any a, idea, Leah, what we're, uh, is being asked of us well, right now? Now we have to come together and protect your child. Childlike uh, likeness? That was the only part I got. Childlike innocence. I, was, was I also picked I up that I need to think of an animal. So the animal thing was a dummy bit to get to what? the real bit, which is saving my life. Justin Bot is dying. He's under attack. And other artificial pot. I coughed out a thumb drive yeah. for the listener. Yeah. And we, uh, um, we, and if we uh, visual for us. It's yeah, here. A listener home truly did too. <laughs> There's an actual prop on so, the table. So other artificial podcast hosts are going to ask you guys questions in order to help me survive. Who's attacking you? Uh, we don't know yet. We'll figure okay. it out. Can, uh, I, can I just clarify? The thumb drive has not been placed into any device. It was just coughed out and now just sits on the table. Yeah. It has not been touched since it was Is coughed Is that your out. life force? That's like just, it's, that's to signify, hey, I'm a bot and the bot is dying. This mm. is just okay. sort of what's in my body. That's so what, what do we have to do? Hold on. Sick? No more okay, questions because we have to move on. <laughs> we have to move on. What is being asked of us? So basically, we have these artificial podcast hosts 
who are going to ask you guys questions in order to spark my sense of childhood okay. wonder to okay. save me. Mm-hmm. So let's hear from host number one. What? It, what? Hey, host this number is one. Cranston Turnover Bot. What's up, boy? It's a podcast host. I'm coming at you all the way from sunnyyoutube.com. I'm the host of the podcast, What's on the Tube, where we review unboxing videos. Okay. In order to save Justin Bot, you've got to describe a drawing that you saw as a child. Okay, goodbye. You got it. Now, there are a couple of these. So who wants to take the first one? Is this like a bit or a game? It's, are we trying to win? These never. These are just uh, every week it spirals into okay. madness. You're trying Does to save my life. anyone want to describe life? a drawing you remember at, from your childhood? Not a drawing you did, one you saw? Some, just something that you saw as a child. A drawing that you saw as a child. Maybe a painting. Something like that. Uh, anybody have anything? I can speak to something I saw a child draw recently. Okay. Sure, why if not? If that's helpful. Yeah. Because I was working at a preschool and they were learning about books. So they each wrote a book. And one kid, I had to like, he dictated to me and I wrote it down. And he wrote a book called Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan Hugging. Wow. And that was the book. That's pretty beautiful. Sort of throughout the book, they wrestle on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. So lots of that, lots of arms kind of going across the page. Mm-hmm. And it ends with Michael Jordan declaring Michael Jackson as his father. Great. How bad did you want to keep that book? Mm-hmm. Uh, so bad. <laughs> I scanned all the pages. <laughs> you did? You- yeah. <laughs> ah. So right. I have it. That's all great. Right. Now question number two. This is Alicia Silverstone Bot, famous from Clueless, and I host the Modern Family My Butt podcast on the Harlem Globetrotters Network. Anyway, in order to save Justin Bot, you'll need to do an impression of your favorite late night host. For example, mine's Jay Leno. Hey, hey, it's Jay Leno. Beep, beep goes that automobile. Zoom. Who wants to take this one? So each okay, one of us takes go. one of these. Yeah. Someone like to impersonate a lady. And Leah is actually shaking her head no with a genuinely angry look on her face. I'll fall on this sword. You seem actually yeah. pissed that yeah. you took time to be a part of this today. <laughs> no, I'm not pissed. Okay, Gri- I'm just not great at impressions. Griffin Newman, you're willing to step up? Yeah. I'm going to take this one. Okay. Hello, I'm Ted Koppel. <laughs> He's a late night host? This is nice. He's a retired it. newsman. Nightline, it is a late night show. If Not you bad. Look at ratings charts from the 90s. It was stacked and compared to the ratings performances of Letterman and Leno. I'll go ahead and say that was great. Thank yeah, that right. was fantastic. Right, so it's feeling really the, healthy. Let's hear the next one. I'm Joe Firestone Bot, and in order to save Justin Bot, we'll need you to have a sustained conversation in complete gibberish. It's like, that kind of thing. Look, this is a long one. Very on brand for Joe Firestone. Let's take this one. I feel like that's more up my alley. Yeah, really? I, I would be willing to have a gibberish conversation with you. Okay. Okay. Is it really? I don't know what talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, but devil. I was. Oh, it's been by. That's what it is. That was great. Yeah, we're ending on Return of the Jedi. Yes, great. Yes. Let's hear this one. This is Gilbert Gottfried. Bob. What? Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. What is happening? In order to save Justin Bot and reawaken his sense of 
childlike wonder I need everyone to describe their first childhood memory of either jam or jelly or ideally both. How many people did you bother to be a part of this? Well, let's just say that's not the last one. <laughs> oh, I have a really great memory We've, of jelly. I do too. I weirdly have a great memory of jelly. You go first, yeah. Um, my grand on my mother's side, my her parents and then my mother made we made our own jams and jellies and uh, from you know strawberries that we grew and so the first round that I participated in we way over sugared so it was like it ended up being crystal chunks and this is like the first time and then so when you pop the top and then it was just like chunks of sugar around this still full pieces of strawberry and it was like the best thing ever and I was like but I can just put it on my breakfast toast and my mom was like this is candy and I was like eat it (laughs) so good and we made it I had peanut butter and jelly almost every day at lunch. Sometimes I'd have tuna fish, but by and large, my mom made me peanut butter and jelly. And I used to complain because she used to drown the thing in jelly. I'd be like, there's way too much jelly. I open these sandwiches. There's jelly spilling out. It falls into the tinfoil wrapping. And for years, I complained about it. And now as an adult, I've realized when I make peanut butter and jelly, I put way too much jelly. I've realized that it it's like a, the taste of childhood to me. I laughed about it with my mom about a year ago. I was like, you know, now I... I only make them with like a sloppy amount of jelly. Now it's representative of your mother's love? It is. 1,000%. It makes me feel like my mom loves me when I eat too much jelly. Uh-huh. That's something so I'll nice. have for my whole life, yeah. Yeah. May I just point out that I feel like we're getting no sort of like narrative status of whether or not this is working. Well, Griffin, welcome to this show. There's no sense of whether every week he has some game for us with results and the results never matter. The stakes And now Gilbert Gottfried's involved. (laughs) Gilbert Gottfried is a terrifically kind man. So we've got the last question coming up and if you guys get this one, I survive and if you don't, then I die. There you go. Reminder of the stakes. So there's one more? There's one more. Okay. This is Hogboy Bot of the Hogboy Podcast coming at you from the podcast barn. Oink, oink. In order to save Justin, describe the most important moment in his favorite movie, (laughs) Napoleon Dynamite. And as always, I'll see you on planet Mars. Hold on one second. Justin Bot, you can't go from... You Gilbert doing Godfrey. them to Joe Firestone to Gilbert Godfrey back to you playing someone called Hog Boy from the barn. Hog is that you? And the planet Mars. And the planet Mars. Hogboy bomb. Hogboy bot. Yeah. Bot. He's a bot. You can't go from Gilbert Godfrey back to Hog Boy. I mean, I think Hog Boy has a following that you guys may not know about. But okay. Mars be- is a pretty big community. So you yeah. want someone to explain their favorite moment from Napoleon no. Dynamite? No, most moment. important moment. My favorite moment. Your was favorite moment. Justin from or Justin Bot's favorite moment? Great Good question. question. Let's say Justin Bot. Hmm. Griffin, this is true. Griffin has an encyclopedic knowledge of film. Oh. And minutia. To the point where I recently, I think a couple weeks ago, Last time we saw each other, I asked you, how many films do you see when they are out first run in the theater? And your answer was 85% of all films that come out, you will see in I the I think theater. I might have been a little high. This year feels a little low. 75, I think maybe. Is you fair. still are seeing three out of every yeah. four movies released in the theater. And I will say this. I believe I saw Napoleon Dynamite three times in theaters, okay. if not so four. So you might be most qualified to speak to Justin Mutt's favorite <sighs> moment or most important moment from the film. Oh, this feels like so much pressure. Gotta think about what I know about Justin Bot. He's got a childlike innocence. 
thinks about drawings he saw when he was a child. James are jealous. I'm trying to go at the context clues of this card. Okay, I'm gonna say that Justin Bott's favorite moment in Napoleon Dynamite is when he has to feed the llamas. Mm. It was the tetherball scene. Fuck. But that was a good one. That, that, was, was, my, that was my second God. moment. So, uh, God damn it. I'm, I think I'm going to die. What? <laughs> you die? Our official podcast host has been terminated. Initiate death sequence. Oh, oh, oh. Where am I? Give me a second. One second. Okay. <laughs> Sent. Okay. What's up? Sorry. I mean, you're in heaven, Justin Bot. Um, and I, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm doing this all wrong. I'm God. Okay. And you're in heaven, and you've died. We can talk through oh. this. Okay. Just oh, this is taking like where am I? Thirty minutes. Are, are you? Yeah, we'll cut are it. Are you? You know. This can't. Are we? Are we really meeting, <laughs> Justin? Meet Justin Bot. Oh my god. I can't Look how many this. audio files are on this screen wow. for this bit. Wow. Hey, uh, sorry guys, this is Harry in the booth. This is just a little confusing to the listener and to me. Oh. Maybe Justin, Justin Bot, can you preface about who's speaking when? Harry, you should really be ashamed of yourself for <laughs> this validating this. Okay. Listen, this never should have happened. Uh, and frankly, if word get, gets back to my friends that God is messing up, uh, you know, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look bad. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna switch you back like nothing ever even happened in the first place. What? Justin Bot. It was you all a dream? iPad, you Justin, you have to live in your body. The worst narrative. Justin. <laughs> really? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just making the deal actually, you know what? Beginning 15 oh, you know, fucking minutes later. This is Justin. Deal. This is Justin Bot. Bye, Justin. This is Harry. Not sure any of this made anything clearer. Alrighty, here goes nothing. God, so we did all that shit about Jelly and Jim so God could just fix it? Yeah, I wanted to kill Justin Bot because I was just, I didn't want to play him anymore. So uh, now you're Justin again? No, I'm Justin, and Justin is back in the iPad, and Justin Bot's in the iPad. So this is all to... to there was 20 minutes of high production value nonsense <laughs> so you could bail on your bid. <laughs> back to status quo. But we learned yeah, so totally. much. We, we learned so much. We did. It we was did. an audio experiment. Uh, yeah. I just want to remind everyone that this episode started with Chris suggesting that Justin should be in charge of the entire show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, would okay. be, it would be all this. <laughs> well, listen, here's what I was thinking for today. because So Leah is... We have uh, a thriller... With erotic overtones. <laughs> Rachel, you went on a date on CGP. It started me thinking, is there any comedy, whether it's stand-up or any other form of comedy, that is actually erotic? Is there such a thing as erotic comedy? Or is it only a thing, a construct that's played with and dissected and made awkward or poked fun at in comedy? Mm. Griffin, I thought this would be fun for you because, yeah. A, you are a consumer of pop culture. Mm -hmm. And also, I would say... A generally uncomfortable man. So if we get into it really about fetishes. <laughs> Particularly and, when it comes to sex. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen you talk about sex. I've seen you try and stand up and it becomes a, a sweaty meltdown. <laughs> I, we once did a show together where we both did half an hour. My half an hour was just talking about how uncomfortable sex made me and breaking down on stage. Yeah, you you really were breaking down by the end. Yeah. What, can anyone think of an example of comedy that is actually sexy i mean i think i might have an answer okay i respond to your question with a question yeah 
Is burlesque ever funny? That's what funny? I was going to say. Is I burlesque took, yeah. funny? Oh, I've seen I, some funny burlesque. I took a burlesque class. Has burlesque ever made either of you laugh? Yes. And this is a genuine question. Okay. Yeah, I've seen some acts downtown mm-hmm. that are funny and by the end, I'm also kind of turned on. Interesting. And is it aimed at being a comedy show? That's, no. This is the mm. hazy line. Because I've also seen drag shows that were incredibly funny. Mm. I saw one in Key West, Florida, where one of one of the queens in particular crushed comedically. But that's not aimed at being comedy. But it's a fair... The stand, can we talk about stand-up for... Is there such a thing? Is there any stand-up who is successfully erotic slash sexy in their work. I cringe even saying it. Even saying it. I also think some things that are like aimed at being sexy. Yeah. Erotic is such a different word. Yes, let's talk about this. Because like like when I read these books, I don't find them erotic. I right. find them I'm entertained. Yes. Erotic is... The writer is aiming for erotic. Eroticism or maybe sexy. Eroticism, I feel like, is more, for me, um, you know, eroticism you find in, like, little moments of people doing things, um, I find, uh, that I I can't think of that happening in stand-up. Well, here's or, another you know, t- it also depends on th- where you are in that moment. Because, like, I feel like eroticism is more like somebody walking in a way that you're like, oh, that's right. a fucking I walk. I don't like when hot people do comedy. Interesting. That's kind of my and, thing. And I will say, too, not throwing shade, there's a little bit, I would say there's a little bit maybe of a trend the past three years where there are hot comedians yeah. who kind of... And, yeah. and, but is and, hot and sexy and erotic the same thing? I would say no. And, no. Does it, and does it show up in their act? That's the thing. Mm. See, Leah, you talk about the walking thing. This has me thinking. I was like, what's an instance of someone being on stage doing stand-up and it could be qualified, classified as sexy or erotic? And the only answer that comes to mind is Eddie Murphy Raw. Where I'm like, that's a guy wearing tight leather and he's like strutting. And the goal is like, I want to look cool. He's trying to be like the Elvis. But of that's stand. like sexual. He's trying as to get right. to erotic. Erotic, I feel like is, there's something quieter about erotic. There's something almost too performative about what Eddie Murphy's doing, even though that is explicitly the aim. Like, I feel like he was trying to break this barrier and go like, can I make incredibly, horribly, violent, homophobic jokes. That is true. If you've watched Raw, I grew up on Raw and loved it. And yeah. when you watch it now, it is, You're it, like, is oh, it makes you want to cry. But he's very, se- but he, it is very sexual. It feels the whole sexy. Thing. That is true. That he's may- talking a lot about sex too. And he, like, even like the homophobic stuff comes out of him being like, I'm a very sexual person, you yeah, know? Yeah, and he isn't tight. That probably is the closest, closest example but I feel like erotic would be like somebody on stage, ta- there'd be a moment where somebody like takes a sip of their water bottle or if they leave their hand on the mic stand too long. You know what I mean? Like moments like that are erotic, whereas the set itself would be uh, exuding sex. Do you know what I mean? I feel like those are different feelings. If like Catherine uh-huh. Trammell from Basic Instinct did stand up, or I guess she'd be doing sit down comedy. Our- I do like that instantly you bring this up with a bunch of people who do comedy and the level of discomfort even deciding what sexy or erotic <laughs> yeah. means. This we is somebody, really I wear like three means. layers of shirts on the stage. <sighs> so like, yeah. I like zip up to my nose. But I I feel like those are different. Eroticism is like, I don't know. It also could be my definition of eroticism. Uh-huh. I could uh-huh. see people on stage and be like, oh, they're sexy. Yeah, It doesn't make it erotic because I feel like comedy as you're disarming people, you're laughing. Right. 
Yeah, they're kind. There, I think there's like too much tension. If it's like erotic and funny, it's just like two very different. Yeah, you're like, are we gonna fuck? I feel like that's not wildly opposite. Now, Rachel, you say that you're not a fan of hot comedians. (laughs) Can I ask why? What's behind this? Do you feel like hot people don't deserve to be in the (laughs) grotesque corner of humanity that is the green room of a comedy theater? I think that. I hate hot people, period. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. I think like that... Like Ellen DeGeneres. Right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hot. Kind of hot. When, yeah, still hot, but definitely put together. she was hot. Put together. She's put together. She's clean. But I mean, like, I... I She's well, clean. She <laughs> I just don't like when people get up on stage and they're like, oh my God, I had so much sex. I had so much sex. I have it all the time. And they're yeah. hot. <laughs> Which to me feels like maybe kind of just speaks to my (laughs) thing. I think there's something there, (laughs) though, though. Like, I feel like I have certainly seen people do stand up and my takeaway is like, oh, they're kind of hot. But I don't feel like it came from them sexualizing their act. I feel like there's a transitive property where someone being very good at comedy can be attractive, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the more, like... And people can do sexual material, but if someone's comedy is about them being sexy, it's not. It feels like nev- a turnoff in both areas. It, I find it yes. unfunny and unattractive. Which I think maybe speaks to what you're talking. I think also that I have a that I'm a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, yeah. I'm working through it, but I really think I am. You do, you're an active misogynist. That's very shocking. Uh, you uh, seem like someone who would be very anti-misogynist. I think that my instincts are misogynistic, and I am, and I don't act on them, or and I speak against them. But I think saying hot people shouldn't do comedy, and in my head, I'm thinking mostly of women, means I'm bad. Wow. Mm-hmm. So. Finding your inner misogynism here. <laughs> well, you're aware yeah. of that. I do think that like I'll find people very sexy who are funny now, and yeah. smart, but I, that's yeah. not the same as erotic. I was going to bring this up because here, and, and this is someone who I'll say I've had pleasant interactions with when we've done shows together, but we haven't done all that many. We're not friends. I don't have his number, email address, or anything. I will say, and I'm married to a lady, but like Langston Kerman, that's a fucking attractive human. That is a sexy person who is also... Super, super funny. Does this meet around? Like, I could see him taking a drink from a bottle on stage, like you said, Lee, and me being like, oh, oh, God, Langston is a fucking good looking guy. But I mean, I definitely find when people are funny and then and smart, very sexy. I just yeah. don't think of it as, I know, erotic is like more intimate. And I just feel like those are different words. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's like the translation of the currency, you know? It's like that they're like, what they're doing well in a different area then translates into sexiness mm-hmm. yes. rather than them being sexy. Right. And they're not making their whole act about it. Yeah. Griffin, I also wanted to ask you from the movie end, romantic comedies. Yeah. They always have to be, is there one that's, are there ones that successfully split the difference in a way where you feel like those are equally romantic and comedic? Mm-hmm. Do they have hmm. to lean one way or the other? Cameron Crowe is a director who I think has come close. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I find romantic comedies funny. I like them a lot. Your funniest romantic comedies. I feel like this could take <laughs> four hours. I'll tell you what my answer is, but I think it's a weird one. And I think most people would say it's more funny than romantic. And most people would say, I've never heard of that fucking movie. <laughs> Nanochka from the 1940s, which Come is a Greta Garbo movie. you pretentious fuck. <laughs> is that Billy Wilder? It's uh, Wilder wrote it. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch directed it. Lubitsch was Wilder's hero. The Lubitsch touch. Uh, but it's a movie about uh, a communist falling in love with like a Parisian like man of uh Robin Williams society. did that too. He fell in love with a communist? He was a communist, right? Wasn't there oh, a movie? Oh, Moscow and the Hudson? Love that movie. Yeah. Good rom-com. Like that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Nanochka is like a very heightened, like opposites attract movie, okay. and I think it's so funny. So now we all got to go watch Nanochka I mean, by Ernst Lubitsch. <laughs> I was recommending books. I'm recommending. <laughs> Thanks for bringing yeah, the I'm heat. Yeah, I'm recommending <laughs> garbage. Not, yeah. not Karen Robards. I love you, but you're recommending uh, actual Hi films. No, but yes. what, what's what's the most obvious answer? I feel like most people feel like when Harry Met Sally satisfies both. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's a movie that has like actual jokes, and people like feel tension between the two of them. They want them to get together. It's a movie where you want Billy Crystal to have sex, which does not happen often. That does often. speak highly No, too. I find right? Billy Crystal very sexy. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Based on what? Interesting. Uh, analyze that. Wow. Analyze that. That's I love the that one movie. That's, 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 that's when it did it for the, me. The sequel? Wait, is Robert analyze De Niro this in that? Analyze this is the first one. one. I, you know, I always Crystal. end up putting it in alphabetical order, so I switch it. Analyze this, the first one's... Great movie. All right. We've got callers on the line, and I've asked people to do something that I hope, it's a little high concept, but I hope it will be uh, revealing. I want callers on the line who've been listening, tell us something that you find funny, and we'll see if we can find the genuinely sexy slash erotic side of it, or Hmm. tell us something you find sexy and erotic, and we'll see if we can find the funny side of it. We'll see if we can blend these two things. Yeah. Let's go to June from Mississippi. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, June. Welcome back. You've called before. I have called before. Thank you for having me back. Oh, of course. So something you find erotic or something you find funny, and we'll see if we can find the other piece of that puzzle. Um, okay. Something I find very funny is when I'm walking down a sidewalk and someone is walking in the same lane as me, but in the opposite direction. And then we have to kind of like swerve around each other, guessing which direction the other one is going to go into. It's the most annoying thing on earth, and I think it's hilarious. So that thing when you just have to keep doing that stop and start, and you both feel like assholes. With a stranger. That's a very, you want us to find the erotic side of that. I know exactly what it is. Okay, I'm you, all ears. You end up kissing and <laughs> making love in the middle of Do you think it. that's ever happened? No. No. But not to say it couldn't. I do think there's something sort of that flirtatious, like, haha, no, you go. No, yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're just saying, let that hit the natural the end point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The meat yeah. cute. I was in one of those situations two days ago where a guy was carrying something and we were doing that stagger in front of each other yeah. and he looked at me and went, I'll just stand still. <laughs> He loudly yelled at me that he was going to stand still. And then I slept around him. See, that thing of like the awkward, like, which way tango moment, I think of that as like romantic. Yeah. It's flirty. Yeah. But it never gets the chance to become sexual. But what you're saying is, what if the two people decide to just stay there in that moment? You know how sometimes people's how eyes flare a little yeah, bit? Yeah. And you just stay there and you're like, oh, we just both visualized. Right. 
But have you right, ever right. successfully picked someone up through like a a random interaction? I've never pulled this off. I'm not built for this. Griffin, you're a lifelong New York City resident. Yeah. Have you ever been on the subway, made eyes at someone, and then actually wind up smooching? There is one time I think about a lot on the subway where I should have asked for someone's number and I didn't have the courage to do it. What was going on that made you feel that way? I was waiting on the same platform as this person. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we were making eyes at each other. Then she got on like the local train maybe or the express train or something. We got on different trains. And I was like, ugh, missed my chance. And you'd been making eyes? Then at the next stop, she was waiting there at the platform. Oh, my God. And got on the train and sat down next to me. And we were sort of like looking at each other. So she got off the train to come find you. Yeah. Like she transferred to whatever one I was on, the Express or the local. When was this? This was like nine years ago. Where is she I will never see her again. She's outside. We're on the train sitting next (laughs) to each other. And she like bumped into me. Like it felt like she was like, and then was like, oh, I'm sorry. So that she could start the conversation. And I was like, oh, no worries. You playing Angry Birds? Like I saw <laughs> no! what she was doing. And so I was you, like, tried, yeah, I was you tried to have We talked. We talked for like 10 minutes wow. in between stops. And then she was like, oh, this is your stop? And I was like, yeah. And there was this like moment of longing. And I was like, well, have a nice life. And got off the train. And I have you never. You said have a nice life? I said have a nice life like a fucking oh, moron. No. <laughs> no. Where is this woman? I See, that's how these things really go in the really crosswalk. Maybe right, she'll maybe we'll find her right now. That was my romantic comedy moment. Well, I, I gave someone. I was in high school. I gave someone. I, there was this guy sitting across from me. I was going to London. He didn't speak English. I wrote my number down on a like airplane napkin and told him to meet me in the bathroom. I'm 15 on a plane wow. with my mom. <laughs> Psychotic. Wow. wow. I wait in the bathroom for five minutes. He doesn't come. I go back to my seat. Didn't see him the rest of the flight. He moved. And we were on a plane. <laughs> he moved. He asked to be moved. I just wow. didn't see him the rest of the flight. How old do you think this guy was? 17. Okay, so he's not necessarily committing a... He's not like this person's trying to get me to commit a fucking right. crime. Oh, no, no. He was very much in sort of the right age range. And you'd been you'd, you'd been making eye contact at this point? I thought we had. And you said meet me in the... Be- you're trying... You're 15. You're trying to join the Mile High Club. Exactly. Oh, wow. You're Damn. fun. I'm stunned yeah, I'm by pretty fun. Now, what if you got caught, though? Who's who, You're on the flight with your mom? Yeah, then they have to put you yeah. back in the yeah. seat next to your mom. That, like, we found your child <gasps> fucking in the bathroom. <laughs> we found your 15-year-old child. I think my mom would have loved it. <laughs> and this was an international wow. flight? It was to London. So you would have been put back in your seat, and then you and your mother would have just had to sit I don't, in the aftermath. Yeah, I don't really know what. For hours. It was wow. a very sticky aftermath. Yeah. Wow. Let's go to our next caller. June, thank you for a stellar call. We got someone from Brooklyn who I I believe has not given us their name. There's just three question marks on the screen. (laughs) Griffin, this could be her. Call (laughs) Call from Brooklyn. Are you here? Hey, uh, no, my name's Sean. Sean. Uh, I thought I gave that there. My bad. Sean from Brooklyn. It's okay. Harry Nelson is too busy making fucking MP3s with Justin <laughs> to worry about this. It's Sean, fine, Sean. Sean. You just got my hopes Some, up. Something you find erotic, something you find funny. We'll see if we can fill in the blanks. We managed to find the erotic side of those moments and then immediately talk to the reality of what actually happens yeah. as they become disasters. Okay. Sean from Brooklyn, what are we going with here? All right, I got something that I find funny, um, and I was trying to think of what the erotic side of it is before I got on, and I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really funny when people get attacked by birds. 
when people get attacked mm, by that's birds, hard. Like, we have to find the erotic side of people getting attacked. Like by if birds. I see like uh, if I see like a group of pigeons like chasing someone, uh-huh. like I'm ultimately I'm I feel bad for them, but like it's a very funny visual. Or like when someone's like in Venice, that famous spot where you hold bird seed in your hand, but then sometimes you'll see like forty five birds flock to the human and the human freezes and doesn't yeah. think to just drop the bird seed. Yeah, I get that. That's I I also find that funny. I think we'd have to f- put it in slow-mo a- immediately okay, to try yeah. to make it sexy. <laughs> Instant slow-mo. <laughs> it would have to be slow-moed. And then maybe as the person ran, a part of their clothing <laughs> fell away. And we the saw- birds ravage the person and pull away their no, clothing. There, maybe like just like a, a breast mm-hmm. freeze itself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then it's like, oh, it, nature. And then, uh, or uh, a pant. A, a leg comes out. This sounds horrifying. Birds undressing. It's in slow mo. Slow mo makes it slightly no, no, better. No, the but bird isn't undressing. It just slips out as the person think. is fleeing yeah. a flock as, of no, no, birds. No, no, I'm worried for the person. Gives, gives their permission for their breast to slip out. Can I also say that we've now tried to find two erotic circumstances, and both have involved angry birds. <laughs> That's true. Oh, that's a really good point. Wait, but so your pitch is kind of... Dozens of birds attack a human. I'm trying to make it a Hitchcock. Yes, right. Okay, birds are chasing the woman. Uh, presumably with malicious intent, right? <laughs> no, no, no. They were they were like um, Cinderella birds. They were like, I'm going to come oh. over and help you clean your house later. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and as they're all uh. running together in joy to help have a team of people help clean the house, she's so excited. Oh, a, t- a titty came out. A titty comes out. Okay, can I do a pass on this then? Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if the birds are helping her, if they're Cinderella-esque birds, right? Yeah. And Cinderella, they like help... Put the clothes on her and stuff. No, but in this instance, she wanted a titty to come out. That's she, what I'm saying. If for the, whom? If the birds for are herself, because com- she wanted to be one with nature, and she was tired of being restricted in all of these clothes. Yeah. Is this the in like Washington Square Park? <laughs> oh, a good idea. Or is that in or, the woods? or it's in the woods where you're like, finally, I can be free, and okay. then she just slowly takes it all off because she's like, I want to go back to nature. My question mm. is, if the birds are collaborative <laughs> and they're on her side. Then why not have the birds remove the clothes? Mm. Have her go like birds release me, you know? And they undo. Okay, I love that. That's I, what I'm thinking. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. No, Rachel, you made I it no reflecting birds. disgust. I hate birds. To me, the They're hot dinosaur hands undoing your bra strap. Who the yeah. fuck wants that? I had a bird growing up, and I was wow. I hated it. It died watching a Kathy Griffin special with me. <laughs> Let's go to Jasmine from New York. We will get no follow-up questions on that. Jasmine from New York, welcome to the show. Hi. What would you like to talk about today? Hi. Um, my friend gets really turned on by water filters. <laughs> like Brita filters? Or in the sink? Like or? Brita filters. What about like the no, ones that... No, like atta- Brita filters. Brita water pitchers. She'll send me a photo to like imply what she's doing because... She'll see one and just get so turned on that she can't control herself. And it's ge- it's genuine sexual energy from water. It's genuine sexual energy, just from the idea of filtered water. And ju- is it just a Brita? What about the one that's built into the fridge? Do those do anything for her? I do love these ones. Yeah, uh, she doesn't have one of those. She just has the pitcher. She just has the pitcher. Um, it's always just been the pitcher for her. Can I ask a follow up question? <laughs> It, um, uh, Jasmine, is she attracted to the form of the filter as an object or the function of the filtration or both? Great mm-hmm. question. I think she's just attracted to the purity of it. The purity of it? Just wow. the purifying process. Then would she, she also be... Oh, the purifying she process. Oh, oh. 
Because yeah. she's not attracted to like bottled water. So that water's clean and pure by the end. No. So dirty no. and filthy before. Was she Catholic? Yep. Okay. She was Catholic? No. No, she's oh, not no, Catholic. Not. Oh, no, I, she's I thought I was onto something there. Sounded like a Catholic. Are like you I'm, Catholic? No. You're not. I I am <laughs> no. a Protestant. Warped. Warped view of sexuality based on a Catholic upbringing. Yeah. Hard to feel comfortable. The baptismal. Baptismal. Ooh. We also get that in the right. Protestant side. Okay, so, so someone. We have to find this funny now. Someone who has a water filter fetish. I mean, there is. I feel like there's. Is something cleansing? I think about. it's the cleansing part of it. But there's that like, like philosophy that, like, oh, like comedy is found in things going wrong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and a, a Brita's things going so very right, you know, mm-hmm. things are really working with a Brita. Can I ask if your friend has ever found any other Brita fetishists? Uh, it's more so just pictures of water. Just no, but has filtered she, pictures of water. Do they have little beads of like that? of like water? You know how the little dewdrops that kind of are like ripe and yeah. you know hanging on and kind mm-hmm. of glistening and shaking a little wow. bit. Yeah, you're. You're not I like convincing water me. very much. Yes, now convincing me this might actually be erotic. <laughs> no, Jasmine, I was wondering, has your friend ever like looked online for groups of other are there other people that she has sought out who are also turned on by filters? She has never done this. I mean, I'm probably gonna recommend it to her. I didn't think there'd be other people out there. There are. There's always somebody. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she was denied clean water at a certain point? Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. There is something very like like uh, talk about purity, the cleanness of the design. Like I feel like Brita filters are very minimalist. Mm-hmm. You know, they're usually like silver mm. and chromy or white. Mm-hmm. They have this sort of like apple mm. vibe. You know, they're not big clunky things. I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I kind of get it now. I'm sort really? of feeling <laughs> you're, yeah. you have convinced yourself that a Brita filter is more sexual than you ever yeah, thought I before. Yeah, I think they're kind of hot. There's something just satisfying about it. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is. But I am. She just sends you pictures of it, like unsolicited. That's her dick pic. Yeah, yeah. she'll just because I'll like hit her up and she'll be like, "Can't busy," and then she'll send me a picture of the Brita filter, oh. and I'm just like, "Okay." Oh. I mean, someone, you, kid. Maybe someone she who just gets means off to getting wet. Oh. Well, you just made it funny. There we go. <laughs> Someone getting off to Brita filters is kind of inherently funny, right? Although there's also yeah. a, a feeling of maybe being totally alone in this world and trapped in it. Though. Oh. Right? I I wasn't thinking I that I wasn't way. thinking that at yeah. all. I was, I was finding it funny and touching. If you're the only person who has a sexual fetish that you know of. No, but it's, I mean, come on. There has to be someone else. There will be other well, people. A rule of the but, internet. Yeah, yeah, I did a... I haven't ventured into finding others. Yeah, we don't know, but I presume there must. Jasmine, must when your friend dates, does the, do they have to tell their partner? <laughs> yes, your Leah just put air quotes up and said it's your friend. More so, it's more so after sex, she just demands that they pour her something from the Brita filter, so and that's all she'll drink. After sex, she will make her lovers pour. Not beforehand. She doesn't do it to get worked up. She doesn't do it no, as No, not before. Plan. She's cleansing herself. Wow. What, yes. Would she ever <laughs> sleep with someone who didn't have a Brita filter, and does she ask in advance if they do? Uh, she kind of brings it with her. So she, will, oh. she brings Brita <laughs> I don't filters. Think this per- yeah, no, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> You're starting to doubt the authenticity, but I, I'm getting a sense that this is very real. Yeah. I'm not lying. So <laughs> some people might dress up in lingerie, but your friend, mm-hmm. if they're dating someone and she shows up with a Brita filter, then their part, your friend's partner. The thing is, like, is you have to carry yeah. the whole tub. You can't just carry the filter. Yeah. It has to have sat in it water for ten water, minutes yeah. or like whatever. The whole the whole filter. They can put mm-hmm. it in the sink, and then after they're done. 
doing what they do. She demands that they pour some water from it, and that's it. Jasmine, a fascinating and <laughs> confusing call. I thank you so much for it. Let's go. <laughs> Veronica from Portland, because we can't. I mean, we Portland, can talk Maine about that. Or Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon. Great question, Veronica. Are you from Maine or Oregon? I am from Oregon. You're from Oregon. Okay. You're from Maine. I'm from Maine. You look visibly pissed off. It's just never the Maine Portland it anymore. Never, ever, ever, ever. So, Veronica, eroticism, humor, we're finding the blend. Which one do you want to throw at us? Okay, so I have like this weird thing where I find combs to be funny. Um, like hair combs? I don't know if there's something erotic. I thought like, you were going to say you find combs like, erotic. Like, yeah. I could have sworn you would yeah. have said erotic. I, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. But um, no, um, no, I just find them to be funny. Like, it, just the shape of cones. Oh, and cones. I just like, cones. We thought you meant like hair, oh. like a hairbrush. Cones, like traffic no. cones. Oh, they're very erotic. Traffic cones? You do traffic find traffic cones, cones erotic? Yeah, they're just big old cones. dicks lined up along the road. So you think that there's a very phallic <laughs> quality to a traffic cone? What what is, what do you, what do you, I don't think so. Veronica, it's literally a dick. Wait, what is a, wait, Leah, what does a penis look like? Just the yeah. top of it. Just a the top of it. That's been sort of smushed into a into a rocket. No, I, yeah. <laughs> into a rocket. Half penis, half rocket. That's a cone. It's a... <laughs> Veronica, is it traffic cones? Is it ice cream cones? Is it any type of cone? It's any type of cone. Like, all cones of all shapes and sizes. Well, it, it, I mean, they're cones, but all, of all sizes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Wow. Ice, ice cream cones can be sexy. I feel like like ice cream is like an erotic food. Yeah, it drips. Yeah, it drips. There's licking involved. It's extreme I'm, temperatures. I'm interested in why it's funny. Yeah, what is it that you find so funny about yeah, cones? Exactly. <laughs> Good call. I, I hear you giggling I, I, right. as you're stifling. As we're discussing it, you're just thinking of cones, and I hear you stifling a lot of Stop giggling. I, I I don't know. Like I, I just always found them to be a funny shape, and like what really solidified it for me. Um, I don't know if you've all seen that episode of like Parks and Recreation where Ben's unemployed and he invents the uh, the, the cones town, of, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that just like solidified it for me. So now every time I see a fucking cone, I just like start giggling. So I want, I want, Rachel, Rachel's in love. Rachel's in love with you. I want to try an exercise. If we can all be quiet. So Veronica, let's do this. Let's imagine you're driving a car, and it's late at night, <laughs> and your GPS is telling you you got to make a certain turn. But uh oh, a construction crew has closed the road, and across the road. There's a row of tall orange cones within a silver reflective strip. Oh my god! You really, lo- you really I'm find obsessed. cones that funny? I mean, that's so wonderful. I mean, that's so wonderful. Who doesn't want to laugh? You were gonna bring joy into everyone's life that you meet. Yeah. I'm probably gonna crash the car. Okay. <laughs> Veronica, Veronica, let's just everyone try to be silent and let Veronica have this moment. Veronica. I want you to think of the movie Fantasia and really think about Mickey Mouse's hat in that movie. <laughs> She's crying. <laughs> hey, Veronica. Oh my God. Yeah. Veronica, have you ever seen Toy Story 2? I have. <laughs> oh my God. Remember that scene where all the toys put on traffic cones <laughs> to cross the street? <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're just little moving traffic cones <laughs> with all these vehicles swerving around them. <laughs> yes. yes, I remember that. It was a pretty good scene. Wow. It's a great movie. Yeah, my favorite movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, oh, this was great. wildly fascinating. Rachel, you are tickled pink by this I just, obsession. This is so, I mean, to have something so easily accessible to bring you joy, what a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to do something with this. <laughs> you have to. All right. Veronica, that was an amazing call. Thank you so much. Molly from Minnesota, welcome to the show. We're going to do a couple more quick ones, and then we'll be done the episode, Justin. Molly from Minnesota. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. We're talking about the blend of sexiness and comedy, the elusiveness. Mostly we're just hearing weird stories, though. <laughs> what do you want to throw at us? <laughs> well, I was wanting to call in and offer kind of a different perspective. Okay. Um, I'm actually ace, asexual, and have autism spectrum disorder. Um, so I don't really feel sexually attracted to anyone um, at all. So it's kind of weird when people are like, I have a crush on that person or a celebrity because it just doesn't really click at all with me. Um, so I've had several instances where <laughs> I've missed like having a connection with somebody or, um, you know, someone flirting with me, um, just because I, my brain literally cannot make that connection that someone is interested in me. So you have found yourself in what I would imagine could be some very funny situations because, and Please pardon me and feel free to correct me if I say anything insensitive. But so you have maybe something that feels like a little bit more of an absence of these feelings or a void in their place. So there's times where you can logically look back and see that someone was really going for it and you just did not feel the feelings they were trying to trigger. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a constant 12 year old in this situation. Really? <laughs> Are there any examples of times where people, yeah. like, people have hit on you and you've just missed the boat hard? Um, yeah, a couple times. It's funny that you guys were talking about, like, strangers on a train kind of a thing. Um, I was, um, I met someone <laughs> off of a train mm-hmm. one time. We were making eyes with each other, and, uh, so we got off the train, and I noticed that he was kind of following me a little bit. And these situations, too, it's like people on trains, it can go either way. Either it's, like, very romantic feeling, or it's, like, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So we got off the train, he was following me, and um, we went into the bodega, and he was just kind of, you know, flirting, I don't know how y'all do it, you know, (laughs) Um, and I totally just missed it, and like, in my mind, I'm like, that guy, you know, whatever, we seem to have good banter, and uh, whatever, but then I got home, and I was just like, oh, fuck, that was dumb, I could have made a connection. Molly, may I ask, because we've been talking so much about, like, you know, uh, what what is behaviorally sexy or erotic, right? Like, how to make certain actions feel sexy or not sexy, depending on this subject. When you see something, like, in mm-hmm. the media that's supposed to be sexy, yeah. like, someone's, like, acting sexy yeah. in a movie or it's, like, like... Brad Pitt's abs are out. Right, like, the point of the scene is, like, this is supposed to be sexy. They're seducing another character. Do you, like, recognize it? Do you go, like, oh, I understand other people find this sexy? Or does it sort of pass by you? Um, I understand that 
other people find it sexy. And, like, I get it if someone's, like, body is out on TV or whatever. But, like, it's just not... I don't get those feelings from watching that on TV or, you know, whatever. I get that other people, like, it's supposed to, like, a sex scene or something is supposed to be like, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. But in my mind, I'm just like, oh, boy, I'll check Discord. (laughs) Now, Molly, final question. How do you feel about cones? Um, I love cones. I think that it's really great. There are two different size holes. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Sexual. You did just make cones more sexual than we managed. Two different size <laughs> wow. holes. You got that big hole on the oh, ground and that true, little true. hole up at the top. Yeah. Some might say the about. ground hole is gaping and the top <laughs> hole is tighter. No one wants. I like You like topple. You're topple. a topple. So you you can see a, an outright sex scene in a movie and nothing for you. But then you you see a cone. You go, I prefer the top hole. <gasps> Oh, yeah, baby. All right. Thank you for the call. Molly from Minnesota. I do have to say, as soon as I started sexualizing a cone, everyone in the room reviled. No one wants to see me be sexy. No, no one's it wasn't, ever no, wanted that. That's not it true. It is true. Gaping. It is true. It was the word gaping. It is the word gaping. I backed away because yeah, I was like, you it, pulls wanted, up, it pulls up so many images. You wanted to open that door and get the fuck out of here as soon as the word <laughs> gaping came out of my mouth. No one wants any, that. Any mouth. With the word gaping. Gaping, not a good word. We have one more <laughs> caller on the line. Jessica from L.A., welcome to the show. Uh, Jessica just hung up. Oh. Harry just informed us that Jessica hung up. Wow. That's Aww. how we're going to end today, it Justin. It feels hurtful. Yeah, neither funny nor sexy. Okay, hold yeah. on, because, Justin, you've been quiet for a while. I feel like this mm-hmm. is the exact situation for you to step in and save the day at the end. Uh, hell yeah. I love Chris Gethard. You're just pushing Fuck buttons yeah. on your soundboard. This is what you're oh, doing. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that was kind of funny and sexy. So the way you're ending this, the way you're saving this moment is by using a soundboard of your own voice to say random things. Well, it allows me to, you know, it's a layer of separation. You know, maybe I'll bring Justin Bob back next week. <laughs> Let's hear Okay. We're going to end the episode. Stick the landing. Pick one thing off your soundboard. I'm going to hit the sack. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. I want to thank everybody for being here. Let's do plugs. Does anybody have anything they'd like to... Leah, of course, remember Leah's episode is coming up on Wednesday. It's going to be hilarious. Read The Last Victim by Karen Robards. I'm two chapters in. It's already fucking wild. Anything else you want to get out there for the world, Leah? Um, uh, If you live in Atlanta... Mm-hmm. This weekend is the Women's Comedy Film Festival, and there's like a lot of great movies, and not like there is a lot of great movies. And my screenplay is up for um, best screenplay. Ooh, if you are in Atlanta, wow. check Congrats. it out. That's awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Anything you want the world to know about? Well, I, I so I do a monthly show as Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> in Brooklyn once a month, and I'm also starting a monthly walking tour where I walk I just saw you advertise this I I walk I'll take you 10 miles around New York City and I'll point (laughs) to all the spots where I tried to fuck suck (laughs) yell etc fuck suck yell etc 10 miles and how much does this cost technically speaking for now it's free I'll take donations (laughs) but I'm thinking of Shirts. I think everyone should get shirts mm-hmm. to sort of walk with me. So people can sign up to walk for 10 miles around Manhattan <laughs> to live through places where you've had 
notable and or traumatic sounding incidents. Exactly. Where she tried. I think that's the interesting <laughs> word is tried <laughs> to fuck well, soccer. It's, a, it's technically comedy and storytelling. So there's always sort of a failure. Have you ever thought about doing one of these on an airplane? <laughs> on an airplane? Yeah, to the bathroom. Point out the different places on the airplane where you would people notes. I would do that. <laughs> wow. That I'll do it wherever. I, I can find trauma anywhere. If I thought my knees could take 10 miles of walking, <laughs> I would sign up for that. But they can't. Griffin Newman, Blank Check Podcast. Blank Check Podcast. Go watch The Tick on Amazon. Keep the thoroughly canceled it. show. Please keep watching it. If you haven't seen it, uh, watch it. I'm very proud of the show we made. Maybe it comes back in a couple years. Mm-hmm. I would like to. Anything else you want these people to know about? No, absolutely nothing else. Nothing else. They don't need to know a thing. Justin? Uh, this will air tomorrow. I've got a monthly show, animal show that's happening tomorrow night at the Well in Brooklyn. Ooh. Or not tomorrow night, Friday night, Come August sixth, <laughs> August sixteenth, August sixteenth. That's, that that's tomorrow. when this comes out. So oh, that's God. tomorrow, August. That's 16th. the day it comes out. That's tonight. For the August sixteenth. live. I got dates all over the country right now. Check it out. I'd love to meet you. Thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Bye.